you can see, we have an interesting preacher that's going to bring the word today. Guest speaker. <laughs> From the mouths of babes. Um, just kidding. Uh, so, everybody welcome with me, our very own Suki Longfield. Come on up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a warm, warm welcome. Um, I'm going to pray. I know we just prayed, but I now need and want to pray. Father God, I just, we just um, thank you that you're here. And um, I just confess my need for you right now, God. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would bless and anoint and um, that you would be the one to move upon this talk, Lord God. I have no ability in and of myself. Um, may you lead it where you want to take it. And may you open the hearts that need to hear it. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Can someone help me with this? This is a little high for me. Um, I like to sit when I talk because I am horribly terrible at multitasking. Um, I'm one of those people who um, can do one thing really well for a very long time. Um, it's much more difficult for me to, my husband is the opposite. He's one of those people who can do 20 things at the speed of light and do them all very well but very quickly. Um, I'm a little bit different. Um, but it gives me a unique ability to be able to meet with people and to sit with people and to feel what they feel and to, um, yeah, and to engage the Lord. And I very rarely get bored. Um, seriously, like, every even breathing is quite fascinating to me. Um, and so I wasn't planning on speaking. But then the Lord started to um, kind of move on my heart. Um, so usually what I like to talk about and preach about is a lot more happy. I like to talk about um, how the Lord is, I don't know. I don't like to talk about suffering all that much, even though I do talk about it. But this week has left me in a place where I've had to kind of engage with my own space and theology about the issue of evil in this world. Um, and it's not, it is the things that happened in Berkeley, the deaths of the young people. Um, I used to teach high school and my heart was to teach and to teach in the inner city because, um, although it may not look like that, that is actually where I came from. Um, and that was something that was really near and dear to my heart. And so when I, I it took me a while because I actually tried to stay off of social media this week because it's been a little bit intense. Um, and then I heard about the, the young people who were, who were killed in Berkeley, and then 
um, was trying to process the information about um, all of the different other people than, um, who were killed in more shootings. And, um, and to be perfectly honest, I reached a point almost like my heart didn't know what else to do. I kind of reached a, a brink of like over inundation of almost numbness. Um, I wanted to be sad, but I almost like didn't even know how to process anymore. And I found myself kind of disconnecting and disconnecting from what was happening and kind of even disconnecting from God a little bit like, uh. And, um, and then Brian was on a trip and he said, you know, it would be really great if you would preach. And I'm like, I don't even want to talk to Jesus this week. You know, I'm kind of a little upset, to be honest. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to go and talk to Jesus and I'm going to ask him what he wants me to talk about. And I felt like he said, I want you to talk about intimacy. I'm like, ah, well, that's great, but <laughs> I don't want to hang out with you this week. <laughs> how am I going to talk to you about, how am I going to talk to anybody about intimacy when, frankly, I don't want to. <laughs> and then he was like, well, I don't want you just to talk about intimacy. I also want to talk to you about comfort because comfort's a big part of intimacy. And then he took me back to an oldie but goodie. And so I'd like you guys to open um, John 15 with me. And I don't know if you've been around the ark very long, um, but I, I have. <laughs> I've been here for a little while. And um, John 15 is one of like our anchoring verses. Um, I'll read not all of it, but there's a certain portion of it that, um, that I felt like the Lord was highlighting to me. <sighs> I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. It's so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, so prove to be my disciples. To be perfectly honest, when the Lord spoke this to me, I was like, I know better than this, but I seriously was like, God, not this verse again. This is the, like, go hang out with me and sit and soak in worship verse, and that just doesn't feel like that's what like, I want to do something. I want to know what an answer is. I want to, like, like, I really believe love needs to look like something. You know, like, so what do we do? What is my response? And he's just like, go back and read it again. And I'm like, this feels so 
weak. It doesn't feel like enough. And it wasn't just the things happening nationally and the things happening locally. It was also the things happening with the very people that I was meeting, you know? The people who have sick family members, it's um, people who like have had people pass away very recently. It's like, and there's just so many other things, marriages that have been really difficult. And there are some weeks where the carrying of the burden of all of the things that go on in the lives of of people is light, and there are weeks when they are heavy. And they're and honestly, one of the prayers that I pray is like, I just want them to like, to go away. You know, I want it to to not feel so weighty. I just want to be able to make it all better. I want to fix it. I want to fix it, God. I don't want to sit here and sing kumbaya. I don't really want to listen to another worship song. I want to do something, but I don't know what to do. And then there's that part where it says, Abide in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And then it kind of clicked. The part that really hit me this time. Sometimes different parts of scripture like hit and resound, right? This time it hit me. It's like, if you abide in me, you will bear fruit. If you abide in me, whatever you ask will be done. If you abide in me, you will be effective. And I was like, yes, this is the thing that I need to hear right now. I was at a place where everything in me wanted to jump to the solution. And God's, and I know it sounds, it seems so self-evident now, but he's saying, I am the solution. You cannot get to the solution apart from me. I want you I am the solution. And he wasn't saying it in a mean way. But I felt like he was saying, kind of like pain has always been here. It's not a new thing. That is what I came to speak into. The life of intimacy is the key to being able to be hope and life and answers. The life of intimacy with God and knowing truly who he is and being able to find him in the midst of the hard things and the good things, but in the hard things is a really big part of intimacy. The word abide also can be translated as remain or continue. 
And, <clears throat> and I think that there is an act of faith in continuing on in the face when what we want to do is disconnect. To live in union with him as our source, fruitfulness will stream from within us. But when we live separated from him, we are powerless. If we step into union with him, if his words live powerfully within us, then we can ask whatever we desire and it will be done. A big part of intimacy is honesty and trust. God is intimate with those who trust him. But also being intimate is hard when maybe you don't have trust at every moment, you know. But I think the thing that pleases God is faith. And there's a moment when maybe you don't have it. Maybe you usually have it, but at that moment you don't. And you choose to exercise faith to step into trust. And I was, and I was at that place last night. Um, had run th and did a lot of things all week. And finally, done with my day around 9-something, 10. And I felt like the Lord was like, I want you to come and hang out with me. And honestly, every part of me, I'm usually a night owl, but every part of me at that point was like, I want to go bed. I want to go sleep. <laughs> I need to sleep now. <laughs> um, but I was like, but there was some tiny morsel that said, that was like, I know, though, that my answer is in you, Jesus. And so I think there's an aspect that I want to just share. Like, I think there's a little bit of a fight that we have to have, you know, when we don't want to. And I forced the heck out of myself yesterday to go into my attic where it was a heck of hot. And I sat there from 10 p.m. till 2 in the morning, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I actually got down, I went downstairs like three times, because I'm like, okay, I'm done, because <laughs> it was very unproductive, but yet every time I could tell the weight had not lifted, and I felt like the Lord is like, intimacy with me is the key to everything. It is the key to life, and when the, you want to do it the least, that is when you need to fight for it the most, and I want you to come and you don't have to say anything in particularly perfect, but, it, you, but I want to be with you. And so I felt like it was a prophetic act on behalf of our community to fight, to be, and to stay in the presence of God at the time when it was the last thing I wanted to do. And there was a lot of shame. I'm like, how are you supposed to lead other people into this thing when you can't do it yourself right now? And I'm like, 
I'm going to do this, and it's going to be a sign of victory for the rest of our community, that we're going to fight, that we're going to find our answer in Jesus. And then God unlocked another thing. And he just gave me images of, um, of my daughter, McKenna. A big part of intimacy is this area, this idea of vulnerability. I think as, an, as adults, a lot of us have learned how to do the right thing, say the right thing. And even though we have our relationship with the Lord, I think that um, we may admit that we're not doing very well, but really transparently being able to be with him fully in whatever it is that we're going through is not always, a lot of us have outgrown it. But my four-year-old has not. And um, as you guys know, she's going through what for her is a huge life transition. She's no longer home every day. She has to go to school. And so by the time she comes home, she's stressed. <laughs> Seriously, she's been performing and being with strangers every day. And she comes home, and she wants to let out some stress and take it out on somebody. She wants to take it out on the people that feel the safest to her. So that means that's her little sister and her mother. <laughs> and so recently, we have gotten into a place where they have started fighting. My kids are like, kind of like me, especially McKenna, really non-aggressive for the most part. But what I came home to, or not came home to, I walked, I was in the kitchen, I came back, and I see the two of them pushing each other. For the first time in four years, well, you know, well, some of those years they couldn't move, but, <laughs> but like they were pushing each other because they were super stressed out, right? And I yelled at them, and, and I, I was like, no, you do not push. Both of them burst into tears, you know, and they're like, Rah! and they won't stop, and oh my gosh, if there's anything that can drive you bazonkers is like the sound of toddlers screaming, Right? And, um, and two of them competitively for who can be louder so that they can be the one to get mom's attention first. And um, luckily, Kylie moved on, and she was fine because she's a little younger. And she's like, okay, I found something else to play with. But McKenna is a lot older. And so she's crying and crying and crying. And everything in me was like, man, I want to discipline her because she just pushed Kylie you know, and she's still screaming and wailing and wailing and wailing and wailing, and we've had a lot of these. This isn't like the only time she's like lost it. She's like fully in tantrum mode, and she's usually not a tantrum-y kind of kid. People talked about how two's really bad and three's really bad. We've pretty much escaped without very many tantrums, right? But all of a sudden, she's in full throttle tantrum mode, and everything in me wanted to be like, hush, shut up. I want you to stop. Get it together, man. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Get it together. Oh, I just want to stuff you in a closet right now so I, can't, I don't have to listen to this. You know, this is my gut reaction. But then the voice of the Lord was like, just let her cry. Something is going on in her heart right now. 
she's not trying to be obnoxious and mean and being a bully. And I found myself saying, baby, I know, I'm so sorry. I know we haven't gotten any time together and you were really upset with your little sister because she took your toy and that was just another thing that wasn't going your way. And the moment I said that, she started crying even harder, like, that's it, mommy, that's it. That's what's going on. And everything in her just kept crying. And I, like, sat there, and it was about 10 minutes, you know. And it was, and I felt like the Lord was like, she just needed to do that with you. She needed to know that she was loved enough to be able to do that. I think with a lot of us, we're like, okay, we're going to outgrow the tantrum. You know, we're, we're going to put on and say the right thing, even to the Lord, because I'm not supposed to be upset with the Lord because the Lord is perfect and he's good. And how am I, you know, and da-da-da-da-da, and all these things we are like, well, and I know that he's got a good reason for this, and I know da-da-da-da-da-da. But really, there's just a part of us that's just feeling, and emotions are neither right nor wrong. There's not a, a they just are. <laughs> So there's something really healthy for a child, especially, to be able to have a safe space, to be able to emote and to feel and to be loved and to know that they can be fully loved in that moment. It's really healthy for them to know that in their messiest state, when they're not wanting to be rational, they just hurt. That they're not getting yelled at that they're not being told what's the right thing to do, that they're just loved. And after that, I was like, okay. And then the tears stopped, but the sound continued to escalate. <laughs> you know, she seemed, I felt in my heart, she was done mourning, and now she just wanted to be upset. And at that point, we'd been sitting there for about 10, 15 minutes. Poor Claire and Luke who live with us. They're probably like, God, get your baby together. We all have to live in this space. And ah, they came home again, those little monster children. They're probably not thinking that. But that's probably, I was like, oh, my gosh, I feel so self-conscious about it, you know. But I was like, after about 10, 15 minutes, I could tell that it shifted. And at that point, that's when I was like, okay, we're going upstairs, McKenna. You can't keep doing this you know, and so I take her upstairs, and I'm like, okay, now I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave you now, and you can come down when you're ready to be with us now, because now we've really sufficiently mourned and grieved and been loved, we really have, and now I can tell that this is something different, and so, and I said to her very clearly, I sat her in her chair, she's screaming, no, and I said, baby, I love you. And anytime you want to cry, it's okay. But now you're just screaming. And I don't like, I don't think this is good for us. I'm going to wait for you. And you can come and join me when, you just, when you're done screaming and you're, you're finished. It's okay. But now this is disruptive to the rest of the house. And, and she's still screaming. It took every part of me to be like, okay, I got to leave. So I leave, and in one minute, she comes down. She, sh <laughs> hi. It was really the funniest thing. I was like, hi, it's so great to see you again. But my point in sharing all that is 
I think, like, I think all of us have that. I think we're, a lot of us are afraid that we'll never move on to the part where we're okay. And so we're afraid to do the, the previous, the tantruming, the crying. We're like, oh my gosh, it's never gonna, we're never gonna get past that point. And so even with God, we're like, I don't know if I can do this with you. But there is a point, and he will know, and you will know, when it's no longer about your mourning and it becomes about something else. But there is a healthy portion where we do need to learn how to grieve and be comforted by the Lord. And I think being comforted by him is really important in learning how to trust him. Being comforted by him is really, really important because it allows us to feel like he, yeah, it's, it's really big in building trust and being able to be open. You can't have trust and vulnerability and intimacy without being able to be freely yourself and knowing that he will love you unconditionally. Now, I will put a distinguishing mark, though. I'm not talking about accusation. Like, there's different ways to grieve, and there's different ways to mourn, and there's different ways to fight with someone. Like, let's say Ryan and I are in a fight. What is really good for intimacy is, man, I'm really hurting, and you were part of it, but I just really want you to to comfort me and I'm and I'm just crying and I'm like this is how I feel and you know I know you didn't mean to but this is just how I feel I just need to get it off my chest what it's not is saying you were a horrible person and I can't talk to you and why did you do this to me and da 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 and and like actually railing against that other person because that doesn't help our intimacy. What that actually does is make him mad and not want to talk to me anymore. And I think that there's a lot of ways where um, there's some of us who are not good at being honest and some of us who are a little too honest. <laughs> where I think we would be served to remember that it's still God of the universe we're talking to. What God is inviting us into is grieving with him and mourning with him and being honest. But what, that, but what he really wants is to invite him in, to talk to him about it, but not to be the object of our scorn. Because when he's the object of our scorn, then really we're just looking to him as a punching bag and we're actually just abusing him too. We're doing to him basically what they did to him on the cross and we're just it doesn't help us trust him more ultimately you know um like it's very different when i'm like hey rye that hurt and i'm just crying about it and i'm like and i'm gonna choose to say like what i'd really love for you to do right now is i'd really like you to just hold me but what doesn't work, and I've done this before, so I'll tell you it really doesn't work, is, so this is what I think you're feeling, 
and this is what I think your motive was, and this is why I think, I wouldn't say it exactly this way, but why I think you're a selfish, horrible person, and now I want you to prove me wrong. Love me. <laughs> Let's be close now. Um, basically, what usually happens is he's like, screw this. I don't, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Um, but I think um, for the sake of intimacy, the reason why I want to point that out is because I think sometimes we think what, when I'm saying, like, be honest, I'm saying, like, just lay it all out there and treat Jesus like a big cosmic punching bag. And that's not what we're saying. I think a lot of times, depending upon our families and stuff, we have no filtration for how we express our anger. There are godly ways and there are ungodly ways. There, the, the Bible talks about it's okay to be angry, but in your anger, don't sin. The way that we want to share and express our mourning with him is by, by not holding back, but not assuming that he's got the wrong intention towards us and inviting him into partnering with us in resolving it. I believe that Jesus um, wants us to find him in our pain and in our, in our mourning. He doesn't promise a life without pain. In fact, quite the opposite. Um, just because you become a Christian or just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean all your problems are going to go. In fact, sometimes it looks kind of the opposite for a while. Um, but what it is is a promise that in it you have somebody with you and someone who's going to help you get to a better place through it. And if we can find him in it, we can bear fruit. And we can. And so what, what the enemy tries to do through suffering and pain is try to distance us, cut us off, shut down our heart, make us angry, and disconnect with other people and with God, and accept that life is just this hopeless, terrible place and thing. But when we encounter and engage God in it, then what Jesus does is he takes that and he says, this is who I am in this, and I want to be that to others too. And I can be that to others too. And he, what he does is he reverses that thing that was sin, and he actually then is able to create life. My last thought, um, well, it's kind of my last thought, my last point, um, is I think one of the things with intimacy that a lot of times, if we're charismatic or if we're people who have grown up in the church and everyone talks to us about our personal relationship with the Lord, that he really wants a personal relationship with us, that can be very freeing and that's really great. And some of us need to hear that because we ha when we've had relationship with authority and stuff, those authority figures have not cared about our voice. And so what our message to some of those people is, man, God really cares about you. God really loves you. He, we want you to be honest and just to let it out and be a little kid before him. It's really good and really freeing. But then there's a component also, though, where he can be so familiar that we lose and we forget his glory. 
and we forget that his intimacy is only really valuable if we understand and remember that he is king, that he's the one who governed the universe. And when we forget that that's the guy who wants to be intimate with us, then I think we lose the wonder and the miracle of what the gift of intimacy is and what it can actually do. Because then it's just, oh, then there's this place where, man, I'm just struggling to feel the presence of God, and I don't know why he's trying to stay away. Or There's all these other things that can come up, and we can start to struggle with um, kind of a more humanistic relationship with who God is. He's just our friend and, you know, we're fighting and things like that. But there's another component that the reason why it's so crazy that we can do this is because, man, he's the person who, like, created everything. And I wanted to just open up to Habakkuk 3, 3. We were reading this in um, an intercession today, and I just really liked it. And it says, God comes from Tem and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Salah. His splendor covers the heavens, and the earth is full of his praise. His radiance is like the sunlight. He has rays flashing from his hand, and there is the hiding of his power. Before him goes pestilence, and plague comes after him. He stood and surveyed the earth. He looked and startled the nations. Yes, the perpetual mountains were shattered. The ancient hills collapsed. His ways are everlasting. Did the Lord rage against the rivers, or was, his, or was your anger against the rivers, or was your wrath against the sea that you rode on your horses, on your chariots of salvation, your bow was made bare. The rods of chastisement were sworn. You cleaved the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you. They're talking about the Lord and quaked. The downpour of water swept by. The deep uttered forth its voice. It lifted high its hands. Sun and moon stood in their places. Recently, I watched this really, I, I didn't like it very much, but one of these um, superhero movies. I don't remember which one it was, but um, the apocalyptic somebody or other. I don't remember. Um, but, uh, yeah, X-Men Apocalypse. There you go. For the record, I thought it was an awful, 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 awful movie. Right? Some of you guys will like it. But, but the thing that but, like, was really crazy was, like, man, the bad guy was so powerful. And he'd be, like, breathing. And all of a sudden, like, mountains would be crashing, you know. And he'd be, like, thinking a thought. And all of a sudden, it was, like, I don't know. It was just, he was so powerful. And you're like, man, what can stand against this thing? And I was thinking, like, our God is so much more powerful than that. Like, he was able to just breathe and speak. Let there be light. And all of a sudden, every particle and molecule in all the universe is, like, coming together and creating light and darkness and water and earth and Everything starts to happen, and if he wanted to, he could blink his eye, and like a mountain could come down, and all the forces of all the earth, and like heaven, there's not even going to be a sun there, because God is so radiant and so big, and I mean, I think there's just so many ways, like I, I feel like even my words are just so insufficient to communicate his grandeur, and how great, and how big he is, and then to imagine that 
that guy, like we think about the universe and how big and how that it's ever expanding all the time and that our solar system is really only a very, very tiny blip in all of it. And that's probably only one, but he's bigger than that. And yet, he's like, I want to, I want to talk about how you feel. He's not using any of that power to be like, let me smush you and tell you why, why you feel and what's going on and that pain doesn't matter. In fact, he says that I am going to come and sacrifice myself so that I can hear more. So that you can actually understand how much this conversation matters to me. That when you see all these terrible things happening, I actually want to be with you, partnering with you in all of it. And so it magnifies and makes the fact that this relationship and this intimate bond is like the crux of everything that all of the universe hinges upon. And when we think about like all the different things that are going on that aren't okay, actually when his invitation is to abide in him and that that will be our source of life and that will become our perspective, it's not a small thing. And I, rem- and I just, I had to, you know, and I even now repent, Lord God, for getting into that space this week, for forgetting how big you were, and that when you were inviting me, God, into that space, you're actually offering me you. And when I denied that, I was actually telling you that I didn't feel like you were enough. And so today, I just want to invite us into a place where I know we're not just about grieving, but I think that the greater our intimacy with the Lord becomes, honestly, the more fruitful we'll be and the more impactful we'll be and the more trust we have and the more life that there's going to be in us. And that's the key to everything here on earth and beyond for all of eternity. And so I'd love to just invite um, the worship team up and um, for us to just respond. And, um, yeah, I want to invite you guys all to just stand up with me. And if you want your relationship with the Lord to go deeper, but there's been an obstacle, or even, yeah, or even if there hasn't been an obstacle, but you still want to go deeper. Just put your hand on your heart with me. One hand out to receive and one hand in your heart. And I'm just going to pray. Jesus, I just thank you that um, even my words right now, Lord, feel so pale and so small compared to the thing that you're inviting us in. And it's because, God, really finding you is the key and the miracle to unlock all of life. 
all of life, God. And so, Lord, I pray for each and every one of us, Lord God, that you would take us deeper. That we would be able to take a leap of faith and trust you and to mourn with you, to be comforted by you. That we would not hold back anything. That we would be able to give you the fullness of what we're feeling, Lord God. I pray in Jesus' name against every place where we would self-medicate and self-cope. Where we would choose to disengage. But I pray a grace today for us to go to you directly. Jesus, I pray and release the grace for intimacy to abide, to continue, and to remain before you. To see you as enough. I thank you, Father God, that you are not someone who is unacquainted with grief. Jesus, you are a man who understood it and chose it so that you could, we could share it with you. You're not on a high and mighty horse telling us what we should be or should do and how we should feel. But you say to us, come, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, come, drink. And so, Lord God, <clears throat> if there are some people this week who have been heavy and heavy laden and tired, I pray, Father God, that you would open up their hearts to feel like you are a safe place to go. And Father God, for those who just want to go deeper, Lord, I pray for rich times with you and that you would fuel their times with you into missional living that it would bear fruit. But we don't want to bear fruit apart from you. We can't apart from you. So, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would take us into a place where we actually desire and hunger and want more of you, where you, the sight of you and the sound of you would be like air, would be like water, and that you would flood us with refreshment of who you are. We thank you, Father God, that you are amazing. Would you renew in us a sense of wonder and closeness with you? If you'd love prayer, um, we'll have some people up here. Um, God bless, and let's worship him. Amen.